Tell a friend to tell a friend because we are live on the airways right now. So make sure you hit us up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC to be a part of the conversation. Once again, I am your man DM Cool, and we have a lot to get to on tonight's show. We gotta talk about this crazy mess happening with Takashi Six Nine. Like it's always a crazy mess with them, but this time I think it, it may have reached its peak. So we're gonna get into that in the meat of the episode tonight. On top of that, we also gotta get into this Joiner Lucas versus Tory Lanez battle that seemingly came out of nowhere, so I will be breaking that down, as well as Nicki Minaj getting catfished and Pusha T getting jumped in Toronto. Not a good look, but nonetheless, we will address those issues. But before we get to all that, you guys already know that I got some stuff to get off of my chest, so on that note, it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe! Indeed, indeed, indeed. So... First, what I want to talk about is the movie Creed 2, the sequel to Creed, which came out in 2015. I will be doing a review of that right now, ladies and gentlemen. So before any of you guys get scared or a little apprehensive, I'm just letting it be clear that this is a non-spoiler. I repeat, a non-spoiler review. There will be no spoilers that will be exclaimed in this pod. So you guys are okay. Don't worry. You're good. <gasps> <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, so with that being said, let's get to it. <clears throat> so as we all know, Creed 2 is the sequel to the film Creed, which came out in 2015, which is basically a spinoff of the Rocky series, which stars Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, and Tessa Thompson. And Creed is the titular character in the film, Adonis Creed, who is the son of boxing legend Apollo Creed, who died in Rocky IV at the hands of a Russian boxer by the name of Ivan Drago. Now, what is interesting about this film, which many people have probably figured out by now, depending on how much of a fan they are of the Rocky series or maybe of the Creed series in general, that Ivan Drago plays a large role in this film, as does his son, Victor Drago. Now, with this movie, a lot of people were wondering, well, is it going to be as good as the first one? I hope it's as good as the first one. I hope it's better. And Draft Gate, it's not, in my opinion, it's not as good as the first one, but it's still good enough. It's a still, it's still a solid watch, in my opinion. Um, basically, what this movie has to deal with is the fact that Creed, or Donis, or Donnie, is now at the top of the boxing world. At this point in time, and this is no spoiler when I say this, he's 23-1, the one loss coming to uh, the fighter that he fought in the in the previous film at the end. That was his, that's his primary loss thus far. Um, but we already knew that, though. Unless you haven't seen Creed 1. In that case, spoiler on that end. But I digress. Uh, but yes, he is basically at the top of the boxing world. Him and his girlfriend have been dating for about two or three years now. Rocky's health is a lot better than what it was uh, in the first Creed film. And basically, he is 
on the top of the mountain right now. He's Mr. Popular. He's all over ESPN and sporting news in general. And he had just won the, uh, and basically he's, he's that guy now. Like he is the one that people want to see, you know, front and center. He's a world heavyweight champion. Again, that's not a spoiler. They make that very apparent, um, at the very beginning of the film. Now, in comes Ivan Drago. Now, what people don't realize is that Ivan Drago, you know, he has been living in a way that you would not expect for the last, I guess, 30 years, if it's canon within the timeline. And the life that he lives is not that much of a favorable one. And he has brought his son into that not-so-favorable life either. Ever since the defeat at the hands of Rocky back in the Rocky Four film, he has felt shame upon his country because it was basically made out to be America versus USSR a la Cold War style. So he has basically been a shame in his nation and he has basically dragged his son into it. And he wants his son to help rise the Drago name out of the dirt, out of the gutter and back into prominence within Mother Russia. So the fight between him, uh, and by him I mean Victor Drago, and Creed basically becomes advertised and promoted as a son-versus-son fight, as a grudge match of sorts between the offsprings of both Apollo Creed and Ivan Drago. And that's basically the premise of the film. So that's not a spoiler at all. You've seen previews and trailers and what have you. That's what they're painting. So let me get into the crux of the film, <clears throat> as far as the positives, as far as what I'd like to what have you. Uh, the pros of the movie, um, I like the fact that there's uh, character development. So we've seen the growth um, and the maturity to a certain extent of most of the characters. So we've seen the maturity within, within Rocky Balboa himself. We've seen the maturity in Tessa Thompson as well as Adonis. And we see that, you know, he is now advancing in his career as well as uh, Bianca, which is uh, the Tessa Thompson's character. She's advancing her career as well. She's become, uh, she just signed a record deal. Um, I'm not sure which label, but that's kind of irrelevant at this point. But she just signed a record deal, and she's now uh, headlining tours and, and things of that nature. Uh, Rocky has built a closer bond with Adonis, of course, you know, kind of taking over the, I guess, more of an uncle figure because Creed still calls him unk. So I guess you could say that as well. And then Creed himself, apart from being, um, you know, big man on campus now, so to speak, he's now a father. And he's in a very much, well, very committed relationship with Bianca as well. So he's just maturing as a man overall. <laughs> so that's one aspect of the film, <coughs> pardon me, that I enjoyed very much so. Another aspect of the film that I primarily enjoyed as well were the highlighting of the protagonists in the film, which are both Ivan and Victor Drago. And what I appreciate is the fact that they're not your mustache twirling villains. It's not so black and white like it was in Rocky IV during the whole you know, promotion of you know, the Cold War era, basically. It wasn't like America's a good guy, Russia's a bad guy. They made these characters very sympathetic. Like, you understood why Drago, and when I say Drago, I'm talking about Ivan. I should just say their names because they're both Drago. Um, but you got to say why Ivan was so angry and why he was so adamant on reclaiming that former glory that he once had because he lost everything. So he lost respect that he had from his countrymen, from his government. His wife left him while they still had their child. So basically, Victor Drago grew up without his mother, and that's something that's very rare in society in general. So you see him growing up with his father, but at the same time, because of all the scrutiny that his father faced, 
the sins of the father have now passed down onto the son. And basically, it's now a case where Victor Drago is trying to live, or sorry, um, Ivan Drago, pardon me, is trying to live vicariously through his son because his son is now in his physical prime, basically. And this guy, I don't, I don't know if you guys seen him, this guy is a beast. I was watching this and I thought to myself, if Thanos was a human, that's probably what he would look like. This guy is huge. This guy looks like he can take on Umbaku from Black Panther and win decisively. No holds barred, no questions asked. This guy is a beast. And, you know, in real life, of course, this would be a huge mismatch. Like, there's no way that the WBC would ever sanction that match because it's two completely different weight classes. Like, that guy is heavy heavyweight, whereas Creed, at best, may look like a light heavyweight. But nonetheless, I digress. Um, so, yeah, they did a really good job of, you know, going into the background slightly <laughs> of what has happened with the Drago family since that time in 1985 where he lost against Rocky. And how they're trying to put their name back into the world of prominence. Now, on top of that, what I also did like were the fight scenes. Now, with the cinematography of the fight scenes, I don't think they were as good as the ones in Creed 1. Because uh, Ryan Coogler had a lot to do with that. And he wasn't as hands-on with this project. Um, but nonetheless, regardless of that, the fight scenes were still immaculate. I felt like I was on like ringside watching the fight with all the celebs and what have you. And just some of the hits look so real. Like obviously we know we know that the hits weren't real, but because of the way they were shot and the angles that they were shot at and the velocity in which they were thrown in, man, I was wincing. I was moving out of my seat. I was doing this. I, I got my hands up and everything. I'm telling Creed to go left, go left. Like I was in the coach in this corner. I was like, yo, go left. Don't no, get out of the corner. No, no, no. Get out. Like they had me that much invested in those fight scenes. And that's very important when you're doing a boxing movie, especially, or just any type of movie that inv involves physical combat, because you need that emotional aspect to be there. You need to feel like the stakes are very high. So that's what I appreciated about the fight scenes. Now, here are my cons about the film. A couple things that I wasn't particularly fond of in the film. Um, going back to the fight scenes, I would have preferred more because there's very few fight scenes in this movie. Or not enough for you to be satisfied as far as the boxing component of the film is concerned. It generally is a sports film, but it involves more than just a sports aspect. It involves the emotional aspect, the, the, the growth and development of the characters, the story overall. The overarching story about overcoming your demons and, and fighting against your past and what have you. So I understand that. But because the fighting was so excellent in... Creed 1 and in Creed 2, you want to see more. And I felt like we're kind of devoid of more fight scenes. So I, if they end up doing make a, a Creed 3, I hope they implement a bit more fighting scenes because, you know, the choreography with the fighting was great. I loved it. And it just left me wanting more. So that could be a good thing, but that could also be a bad thing as well. But I feel like they should have added a little bit more fight scenes into the film. <laughs> and on top of that, I felt like the progression of the characters and the storyline as a whole was a bit rushed. I felt like we went from one phase to another phase to another phase. I felt like the pacing was just a little too quick uh, for my liking. So on one scene, you had Michael B. Jordan and Justin Thompson. Cool. And then maybe like a couple scenes later, out of nowhere, she's pregnant. And then a couple scenes later, she has the baby. So I get it's, it's a somewhat of a clever way of showing that a lot of time has passed since certain events. 
but at the same time, it still felt like we had to check a few boxes off as quickly as we could. That way we can get to the crux of the film. So that kind of, it bothered me a little bit, but not enough to make me say, oh, I hate this, because that wasn't the case. Like, if I had to figure out what some of the cons were, I would say that. And the only other con I would have, and this is more of a nitpick at this point, is we did get enough of Ivan Drago, but I don't feel like we got enough out of Victor Drago. I felt like we could have gotten more because, yes, it was about his father, but it's just about him just as much as it is about his father, too. Because he's the one who has to fight the fight. And we don't know entirely how this person has felt growing up ever since his father lost that fight. So, uh, so the way that Adonis feels about losing his father all those years ago, we have to imagine that there's a certain level of hurt that Victor has felt for his life ever since his mother left him when his father lost that fight and the hurt that he feels when his, whenever his father gives him that tough amount of love that he may feel as though he could have gotten less of and more of in a more constructive manner had things panned out differently. So I wish that aspect of the story was fleshed out a bit more. Overall, it was a solid film. Loved it. I'd watch it again. I'd probably own it as well. Um, if I had to give it a grade out of five, out of five cool points, I am going to give it a solid four cool points out of five. I recommend anyone and everyone to go see that. If you're a, if you're a sporting fan, go see it. If you want to see a great story being told, go see it. Um, I still think Creed 1 is better, but this film is still solid. It's still a solid movie to watch, in my personal opinion. And it just shows that Michael B. Star, Michael B. Jordan's star is continuing to grow, as well as Tessa Thompson's, too. But what do you guys think? Have you guys seen the movie already? Are you going to see it? Are you excited about it? Do you feel the same way I feel about it? Either way, let me know on all social media platforms, at CC and share your thoughts. After the commercial break... We got to talk about Takashi 69. I really don't want to talk about it, but it is headline news within the hip hop world, so we're definitely going to touch on it. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. It is your man, DM Cool. <clears throat> and welcome to Cool Radio. Welcome to the show, people. Welcome back. Now, let's get into this Takashi 69 business, all right? Now, I've tried my best to avoid this or anything that involves Takashi 69 because he is a living troll. He does things for attention. But this time around, this is where it's starting to get a little serious, okay? I don't know how seriously he's taking the matter, but his freedom is definitely within jeopardy right now. So this week, he was basically taken to a federal prison uh, and he was arrested and charged, or not charged yet, but arrested for racketeering and weapons charges so basically he's got himself into trouble again and this isn't long after he was given parole and he already violated the terms of his parole anyway before this event even occurred so now not only has he been arrested and being i guess detained within prison for now but him and his associates have also been arrested as well and who are part of these racketeering charges and weapons charges <clears throat> that stemmed back from 2013 up until now. And basically, they are allegedly a part of a gang called the Nine Trey Gangsta Bloods. And that's basically the, the gang that he's been repping all over IG and social media and things of that nature. So basically, all these people got arrested. 
And because of all the charges that they've accumulated from 2013 up until now, which includes, you know, weapons charges and a gun being fired off at the Barclays Center in April. And now what's coming to the news is him allegedly ordering a hit over uh, Chief Keith's cousin for about $30,000. This person is now facing 25 years to life in prison. And I find that ironic because I guess to, you know, get some attention off of Takashi, one of his associates said that the Takashi 69 character, quote unquote, is nothing more than a gangster image that's meant to sell records. So I find it funny that you're now coming out with a statement when things are starting to get hot. But hey, I'm sure we'll dive into that later on in this conversation as well. But pretty much, this is the crux of the matter. This is what I really want to get into. <clears throat> what I want to get into is the fact that this guy, for whatever reason, has an antiquated way of viewing the music industry. We are now, especially within rap, hip-hop and rap, what have you, we are now in the era where you don't have to be the gangster rapper in order to sell records. The gangster rapper is no longer the pinnacle, the epitome, the, the figurehead of commercial rap. You don't have to be that. And a large part of that is due to Kanye West and that sales battle uh, between him and 50 Cent circa nine, or 2007, rather. Since then, you've seen a lot of rappers come into the mainstream who don't have that gangster persona, whether it's Drake, Kid Cudi, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, the list goes on and on and on. So I'm not sure why he feels the need to persist in this type of activity just to sell records. I feel like that's an antiquated way of trying to sell records. In order to sell records, you have to think that you got to be a gangster or anything that, that portrays an ethnic stereotype of whatever kind that it is in order to sell units. So, mind you, he has sold units, but people are doing it off of the strength of his antics. Whether it's him baiting out somebody at 3 in the morning to go fight him in the middle of Chicago, or him taking somebody else's girlfriend, taking her on somewhat of a shopping spree, and then having inappropriate videos up on the internet to display such coonery, he feels he has to do this. And this isn't his first foray into the world of crime and getting arrested. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that this guy was charged for pedophilia. You know, when he had, what was it, like a 14 or 15-year-old girl on the set of a music video and they followed her and what have you. I mean, just nasty stuff, man. Just nasty stuff. And what really annoys me is the fact that rappers of this generation... I'm not saying all rappers, because that would be ignorant of me to say that. But more than a handful of rappers of this generation feel as though they have to pull off antics on social media for the likes, the retweets, the subs, whatever you want to call it, all for the sake of what they perceive to be notoriety. So whether it's Takashi 69 doing what he's doing right now, or if it's Azealia Banks having beef with rapper number 213, they feel as though this is what's going to make them relevant. What they don't realize is that it's not going to make them anything more than a footnote in the history of rap as far as what not to do within your career if you want to have longevity. Ten years from now, are we going to remember Takashi 69 for anything positive? Is there a quotable from any one of his songs that you can pick up right now? 
Do you have a favorite song from him? And I'm not trying to say that this guy doesn't have a fan base because he obviously does if he's getting the streams and what have you. But until the next guy who has his shtick and his gimmick, who does a very much more better, comes along, then for now, he's just the flavor of the month. And then when we look back at it, while the next man or woman is taking his spot, we're going to look at the, the Fruity Loop looking dude who looked like he lost a, lost a fight to a bag of Skittles and ask ourselves, what the hell did we ever see in this guy? It all comes back around full circle. I'm sure there are people from my era in like the in the in the 2000s who were either in their from their preteen years all the way up into their early 20s who thought to themselves, "Man, before 50 Cent came along, I actually liked Ja Rule." Now, if you never liked Ja Rule to begin with, even before the 50 beat, then hey, keep that same energy. More power to you. But if you did, and then you hated him because of 50, and then you came to a realization, well, then that shows growth and maturity, you know, beyond your years. And I think that when it comes to Takashi, he's just going to be a footnote. He's just going to be a moment in time where we say, oh, yeah, remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Like, he's not going to be any more different from a Vanilla Ice who tried to fake the funk by claiming that he was from a hood in order to sell units. He's going to be nothing more than... You know, a Trinidad James who hopped on a trend, who made something very trendy for a minute and then faded away because we couldn't even get more music from him anymore. He's going to be nothing more than a soldier boy. He came up with a flashy dance, was able to capitalize off of it for maybe two or three more years, but then fizzled out because he had nothing left in the tank. But this is the most extreme case of it because now he's putting lives at risk. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he got... Kanye West and Nicki Minaj involved in a shootout. Now, mind you, they weren't active participants in the shootout. It wasn't like a like a like a scene out of Lethal Weapon or anything like that. But the fact that they were scheduled to be on a music video shoot with Takashi Six Nine and their dressing rooms apparently got shot up, that tells you that this guy is a plague. He's a cancer. Nobody wants to mess with this guy. His antics are clearly messing with his finances. Hot 97 had their annual summer jam this past summer, and with Takashi 69 arguably being the most popular rapper out of New York, which is where the festival is based out of, this guy wasn't even invited, wasn't invited to the showcase. Power 105 had their, had their showcase as well. He wasn't invited either. He literally had to sneak in, and somehow he was able to get on stage. This guy is living reckless. He is living dangerously. And if he doesn't watch out, then whatever is happening to him right now, him going to jail, might be the best case scenario, in all honesty. I just don't understand why this guy can't button up and just live life in a calm fashion. You can still be a successful rapper or entertainer without the coonery involved. And I think a large part of what he does has to deal with the people around him. I'm not trying to absolve any blame from him because he does deserve blame for his actions because you have to be responsible for your own actions. I'm not going to believe that one person in his camp told him that he should steal Chief Geef's ex-baby mama or whatever and have a shopping spree on her. But at the same time, your handlers are partially responsible for how you carry yourself. And it's no surprise that his entire entourage was cut from his stable, I guess you want to call it. Um, and I think this is shortly shortly thereafter the racketeering charges were, were put onto him and his posse, basically. So, 
I hope he learns from this. I don't think he will, because clearly he hasn't. I mean, the judge even gave him parole, even though this man should have gone to jail, especially for the pedophile charges, but he didn't. They still saw some light at the end of the tunnel for him, and I guess, you know, good for them for having a heart, but clearly he doesn't see that, and I think he's just ignorant towards it. Like, I think he's being arrogant about his ignorance. I mean, you're a 22-year-old person now. I mean, you're, in the eyes of the government, you're a young adult at the very least. And I know you're still learning about certain things in the world and what happens in the world and how to convey a message and how to carry yourself and what have you. But if you keep on doing the same thing over and over then, over again and you're expecting different results, that is the epitome of insanity. And I don't know if he's expecting different results or I don't know if he thinks he's living this... Uh, young, fast, wild, and free lifestyle that he thinks he can keep up, but it catches up with a lot of people. I mean, look at Triple X Tentacion. It definitely caught up with him. The man was only 20 when he got gunned down. It caught up with Mac Miller. No disrespect to Mac Miller. He he died over an overdose of drugs. He was 26. Same thing with Little Pete this year. All of those deaths happened this year. And with all this rah-rah gun talk that he's always talking about in and outside of his music and daring people to come test his metal, it's only a matter of time. And I'm not wishing this on him. I'm not. But I'm a big believer on the energy that you put out will always come back to you. And it will only be a matter of time before someone takes him up on his word and gives him the final death stroke. It's coming. I don't want it to. I don't hope that for anyone in general, but it looks like it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen now, it's going to happen later. With every action, there's a reaction. And there are rumors that he got transferred into another uh, facility because of the fact that there were allegedly so many gang members of his opposing gang within that facility, and they feared for his life. So they had him moved over into another facility. Also, that could be allegedly because of the fact that they may want him to strike a plea deal of some sort so that he can uh, implicate all the other members of his entourage so that they can take the brunt of the charges rather than him. Those are, the, those are all the rumors that are, that are being spread right now. I'm not sure if those are fact or fiction, but either way, time will tell. Overall, this guy needs to get his act together. I don't know if he ever will, but he needs to. Do you guys agree? Do you disagree? Either way... Share your thoughts on all our social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. Coming up after commercial break, we got to talk about Nicki Minaj. We got to talk about Jordan Lucas versus Tory Lanez. And we got to talk about Push the T. All that and more on Cool Radio right after these messages. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yes, yes, yo. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, let's get into Trip Talk, all right? Three of the hottest topics. We're about to get into them right now. So with that being said, uh, here we go. <clears throat> Excuse me. First topic on the deck, man. We got to talk about this uh, rap battle between Joyner Lucas and Tory Lanez. Now, for me, this came out of nowhere. I heard about it. Uh, a couple days ago, so pretty much I decided to just take in all the songs all at once, uh, because they came, like, one day after another, like, within a day after another, like, one guy would put out one record, and then the next person would put out another record, maybe, like, 12 hours later, so they were very timely, so I appreciate that, I appreciate the, the punctuality, uh, but nonetheless, it was very interesting because I didn't know 
that these guys may have had some sort of issue with one another. Um, there's no backstory. There's no correlation between the two, like beforehand, before I even knew anything. So, basically how it turned out is that there was a record that Tori put out. I can't remember the name of the record. It was a freestyle, and he was basically calling out rappers who who spit fast and what have you. And he was saying how that's not really anything special. So he didn't call out anyone specific, but when you're thinking about all the rappers who are known to rap fast, like a Jordan Lucas, like an Eminem, Logic, Kendrick, you name it, all these names come to your head, and you're thinking, oh, he's trying to pick a fight with some of the big dogs. So, Joyner enters the battle, puts his quarters in and said, yep, time for a new challenger. So, he went at it with him in a freestyle called Liddy. So, basically, he's doing the fast style, but then he's also adding in the punchlines as well. So I'm like, okay, so I'm not really going to say that, you know, the first record that Tori put out was part of it because that was more so an open invitation because he wasn't directing that at anyone. So when Joyner came into the fray, he was aiming all the smoke at Tori and he got him with some lines, man. He got him with some lines. Talking about how you look like Parappa the Rapper and everything like that. That made me think about back to my PlayStation 1 days, man. That's just, that's just cold, man. Can, that's mean. And then, what else did he say? He said something about, you ain't from Toronto, you're from Brampton. I laughed so hard. Because I'm like, yo, how do, how do Americans know this stuff now? Like, they, they've been learning. They've been learning. They, they know about the GTA now. Interesting. <laughs> but I loved it. I thought it was dope. And then, um, and then Tori came back with... Liddy Freestyle of his own, you know, I guess part two maybe, I, I can't remember what he called it, but nonetheless, that he, he freestyled over the same beat essentially, and then he got back at him, but when I was listening, I, it didn't sound like he was aiming personals towards Joyner, it more so sounded like he was just rapping for the sake of rapping, and he was switching up the flows and the styles and what have you, so while it was impressive, I was like, eh, it's still a battle, like we gotta see what kind of lines you're aiming towards your opponent. You're not really aiming anything concrete or specific. So you kind of get some points taken away from you. So if I had to score that first round, I had to say it's 1-0 for Joyner. And then Joyner responds back with the ZZ or Zezé uh, freestyle. And he just went ham on that one. He went ham on that record. I don't have any quotables off the top of my head for that record, but I just... Remember that he was, again, spitting bars directly at, um, at, at Tory Lanez. And nothing that can be ambiguous for anything else in general. No, they're specifically for Tory. He was giving him that smoke. So after that, I was like, okay, it's 2-0 now. It's definitely got to be 2-0. So I haven't heard anything from Tory yet, but I feel like if anyone's up ahead or if anyone's tied, I mean, right now, Jordan Lucas is leading that battle. So I don't know what else is going to come out of it. But speaking of which, that leads me to my next point. I heard earlier today that this was all a ruse. So essentially they went WWE with it and basically said that this was all a promotional scheme to help unveil their new collaboration together. I don't know if it's a song that they're doing together, a project of some sort, whether it's an EP or a mixtape, I don't know what it is, but that's what I've been hearing. I tried to fact check on it. I haven't heard, I haven't seen any reports on that as of yet. Maybe I should try social media. People like to report stuff on social media nowadays. But basically, that's what I heard earlier today. So I don't know if, I don't know that to be fact. But if it is, bravo. I'm not even mad at that. 
Because people have to remember this. Rap, one of the core fundamentals of rap is the competitive nature of it, the battle aspect. Not saying that every single rapper has to be a battle rapper, but that's one of the pillars and the foundations that rap was built upon. And at the end of the day, you can still have a rap battle with somebody and be cool with them after the fact. This is like me playing one-on-one -on -one against one of my brethren. We're talking trash to each other the entire time. And then once I'm done beating him in ball, we go out with the rest of the fellas for a drink and call it a day. Call it a night, whatever you want to call it. That's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be a 50 Cent versus Ja Rule situation. It doesn't have to be a Jay-Z versus Nas situation before they reconciled everything. It doesn't have to be a Drake versus Meek Mill situation before they reconciled everything. It can just be a friendly war of words, competitive, you know, just within competitive nature, friendly competition, if you will, and then they call it a day. Uh, Jay-Z and Drake do the same thing. They always aim subliminal shots at one another, but... You know, maybe like half a year later, you'll find out that Drake is on Jay-Z's album or vice versa. So it's not something that has to be personal all the time. Sure, the personal ones are the most entertaining ones because there's more at stake. You know, there's more of a storyline to it because that's all. That's what we love. We love narratives. Narratives drive the point home closer. That's why some of the greatest battles include Ice Cube versus NWA, Jay-Z versus Nas, 50 versus Ja Rule because there was a background behind those stories. So that may be devoid of it now that we're finding this out. But again, I'm not going to wag my arm in the air like this, like, dang, damn it. No, I don't care. Like, if you use it for a promotional tool, congratulations, you got us. It was a prank, all good. But at the end of the day, regardless if it was a prank, we got some pretty decent rap battle records off of that too. So I'm not mad at that. I'm good with it as far as I'm concerned. But either way, if you guys have listened to the records thus far, what do you guys think of them? Let me know on social media at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. Next on the docket, we got to talk about Nicki Minaj. Now, this is interesting because Nicki Minaj and her management team apparently got catfished. So this is how the story goes. There is supposed to be a performance that Nicki was to either be a part of or to headline back in China, actually. So there was a promotional group that allegedly booked her for a show, but it ended up turning out to be a scam. Now, here is the story as follows. Basically, as I'm waiting for this page to load up right now, but basically what ended up happening was there was a promoter who was trying to get Nicki Minaj to perform at a festival, quote-unquote, in China. Now, the name of this festival was called the Jakarta Warehouse Project China Festival in Shanghai. And this is supposed to be on November 18th. Now, she was reportedly promised a $3 million payday. Secure the bag! But that bag turned out to be a bag of peanuts and pixie dust, <clears throat> as you would later find out. And basically, the tickets were priced at 3,001, which is $433 American. So, a few days before the event, the festival placed the following notice on its website, and I quote, The event rumored to take place in Shanghai on the 17th and 18th of November 2018 is an unauthorized use of DWP trademark. Tra uh, DWP as a brand has no association with the event. The alleged lineup artwork of DWP China has been circulating online is, orth is unauthorized. So... Basically, this is all a hoax. 
Somebody was trying to goad Nikki and her and her people <clears throat> to perform in a concert that wasn't even going to take place. And they were going to reap the benefits of all the people who were going to buy the tickets as well and then just kind of scatter off. This actually reminds me of a festival. I can't remember the name of the festival. I think it took place either earlier this year or late last year where there's supposed to be a whole bunch of acts from like the early to mid-2000s. And then when people got to the, the festival... There was, like, little to nothing over there. Like, the food that was supposed to be catered was nothing more than ham sandwiches and stuff like that. And this sounds like, you know, um, an attempted repeat of that. Actually, now that I'm reading more of this article, it's the Fire Fest. That's what it was. The Fire Fest. That took place, uh, or that was supposed to take place, and it was supposed to include Ja Rule and Billy McFarland. And that never came to fruition, obviously, because it was a hoax. So, pretty much... Not only did Nikki get catfished, but a lot of people who, you know, were attempting to buy tickets for this event were about to get catfished as well because this was, this almost turned out to be one big giant Ponzi scheme. So a lot of people were, were throwing shade to Nicki Minaj and stuff like that, but I can't really throw shade to her because this is something that was more of a mass trolling. So it wasn't like she was the one who directly got trolled for it. It was everyone. Anyone who was scheduled to be a headliner on the show or a performer at best or anyone who was about to buy a ticket or who had already bought a ticket so to speak everyone was was caught up in the prank this was a group pranking so i can't give the fail or the wanks to, to nikki for this you know if anything it would be more of a thing where her management group would get the wanks because they're the ones who are supposed to investigate on these promoters and how much money they're offering up to the artists to perform at these events and what have you. So I can't even give her the fail on that. As much as I dislike Nikki, I gotta be fair. I gotta be objective. I gotta be fair and say that this wouldn't have been her fault if they ended up getting hoaxed. But nonetheless, that's my opinion on it. What do you guys think of the matter? Either way, share your thoughts. Let me know at Cool Radio CC on multiple social media platforms and share your thoughts. And final topic of the segment, pardon me, we got to get into this Pusha T segment, all right? So Pusha T got jumped during a performance right here in our very own Toronto earlier in the week, and it wasn't that he got jumped because he was physically unscathed by the entire incident, but somebody attempted to jump, so I should probably start off by saying that somebody attempted to jump him. At first, it looked like somebody in the audience was trying to throw water at him, and then out of nowhere, I couldn't really see the video because it was somewhat shaky, it looked like somebody came from behind and tried to attack him, but then that's when some of the security members uh, were able to apprehend him and detain him and basically gave him the stomping of a lifetime, like he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, so that person ended up being hospitalized, and now Pusha T and his team are alleging that Drake had something to do with that in the sense where they may have paid a guy to jump him live on stage. Now, I can obviously see why that could be the case, but nonetheless, we don't know that to be a fact. Of course, the conspiracy theorists and all the, all the Drake naysayers are going to say, oh, 
your two tools role, like he probably paid a man to like handle his dirty work because your Drake is a pom pom though. Like he can't handle his own dirty work. You, you know all the all the hood Toronto men's who don't like Drake are gonna say some stupid stuff like that. Me, I'm not gonna throw out any caution into the wind until I hear more facts behind this. And this could be one of those things where it can be unsolved as far as the motive of that person who tried to jump Pusha on stage, whether or not they were working for Drake or they got paid on the table by Drake to do that and all that stuff. And I would think that as high profile of a feud that Drake had with Pusha T over the summer, I think it would behoove him to not pay somebody under the table to do that because we're all going to point back to him, you know, as the popular fan theory would be to do based on that feud that he had with Pusha over the summer. So I just don't think it makes sense, especially when you consider the fact that he is a brand household name. This guy is known throughout the entire globe, and he's not going to try to do anything to mess up his money. If this guy, and you got to think about it like this as well, if he hesitated in his own words to put out a scathing disc record back to Pusha right after Pusha dissed him with the, with the uh, story of Adenon, and he said how he didn't want people, his fans, to remember him for such a scathing disc record, then why the hell would he risk paying somebody under the table to beat up Pusha based on all the all of the vitriol that took place during the summer of 2018 with their back and forth awards exchange between the two? It makes no sense whatsoever for him to even risk getting his hands dirty, even getting like a speck of dust on his hands at that point. It makes no sense. So until somebody comes with concrete evidence, I'm going to choose to believe that Drake had nothing to do with that. At the very at the very most, it could have been an overzealous Drake fan who wanted to stand up for the Drake hive, the Drake army, whatever the case may be, and try to give it to Pusha T one time because he took it a little too seriously, more so than the other people at hand. That's what I personally think. That's why I'm going to believe I'm going to stick to that because at the end of the day, Drake is a household name. He's not going to mess with his bag like that. He has grandmothers singing his songs in retirement homes. One of my brethren who just came back from Cuba a couple of weeks ago was telling me how his songs are playing on rotation at all the bars in Cuba or wherever they were at, basically. Like, this guy's not going to mess with his money. He may collaborate with artists who are heavy into, you know, that gang activity, you know, as far as their music personas are concerned, but he himself is not going to do it. He's too smart for that, and his business team and his handlers are too smart to get him into that position as well because once his money is messed up, their money is messed up too. So that's my take on it. Of course, the Drake haters are going to say something opposite of that. Whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> but either way, Drake hater or not, let me know what your thoughts are. Hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to the end of the show. So without further ado, it is time. <clears throat> Who has entered the shower walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. For Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week goes to none other than Golden State Warriors superstar Kevin Durant. Now, he, I think this is the first time I've given him the Wankster, actually, and I think he deserves it, to be honest. One of my favorite players in the league, but anyone can get this Wankster. He's basically getting the Wankster this week because of the fact that he cursed out a fan and then basically got fined for cursing out the fan. And he basically told the fan to watch the effing game and shut the F up. That's essentially what he told him. And normally I'm just like, 
if I were a basketball player, I want to entertain that. And I was thinking to myself, what did that fan say in order to incite such an explicit response? Because for me, the only way I can justify that is if that fan said something racially insensitive to him or said something extremely derogatory towards him in general. Because if it's not one of those two or he didn't actually physically touch Durant, then why say something like that? I don't know what the fan looked like. I don't know if they were middle-aged, if they were teenagers. I don't know what they looked like. But either way, you can't say stuff like that. I remember, I think it was two seasons ago, when there was a fan that gave uh, Russell Westbrook the middle finger because he was heckling Russell Westbrook. And beforehand, Russell Westbrook called him fat boy or something like that. And they gave him the middle fingers. That was a little much. Not a Westbrook bar on the fan to give him the middle fingers. I mean, you're heckling the man all the time. You are a bigger person. So obviously, Russell Westbrook is going to attack what is the most jarring aspect about you. And therefore, your response was that. I'm not mad at Westbrook because afterwards, Westbrook told the ref and the ref basically got him the heck out of here. But with KD, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not messing with that. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I can't rock with that. Because at the end of the day, you're a professional basketball player. And... His comments at the end of the game were, oh, you know, you're a grown man heckling another grown... You go to a basketball game to heckle another grown man, that's weak stuff. That's basically what he said, I'm paraphrasing, mind you. But, Kevin, this is what fans do. Fans go, they pay their money, they, see, they pay to see the players play, but they also go and heckle the players that they don't like. This is about. This is all what fan culture is all about. Now, obviously, there's rules and there's regulations that you can't throw stuff at people, you can't throw racially or sexually explicit things towards them, you can't do certain things to break their boundaries. But if all they're saying is, KD, your cupcakes off, or you suck, you suck, you ruined the league, etc., etc., let it go. And this proves how insecure Kevin Durant is. As talented of a player he is, and he's easily the second best player in the NBA, only behind LeBron James, it shows that even despite the fact that he's won two titles with Golden State and two MVP titles to go with that as well, or finals MVP titles, I should say. The man is insecure. He is insecure. And I'm sorry, but this whole heel persona that he's gone over for the last two years because of his move to Golden State, I'm over it, man. Like, stop trying to be the Lone Ranger. Stop trying to be, you know, the rebel without a cause. Stop trying to be the stone cold of the of the NBA right now. It's not working, bro. That ain't you. And he's going to say, no, that is me. You just don't realize it. Nah, stop it, man. Like, stop it. Like, you're actually making people call you a cupcake look justified at this point. So what I would suggest to him is to block out that noise, block out that negativity, and play ball. Like, you, you obviously seem to have that energy for the people who can't really defend themselves on the court, which would be the fans. Yet, you don't have that same vitriol towards a Draymond Green who is all up in your face yelling at you, and you're trying to laugh and shrug it off like it was nothing. So you can step up to some fans, but you can't step up to Draymond Green? Come on, bro. I like Kevin Durant. I really do. But this is weak sauce, in my opinion. So that being said, he's getting that wagstum. Hate, I hate that I had to do it to him, but he's got to get that wankster. Does he deserve this wankster? Of course he does. I'm going to get that drop on him one more time, just like this. And with that being said, that is the end of tonight's show. I want to thank you guys for tuning in, as you normally do. Um, December 14th will be the final airing of Cool Radio for the year of 2018. And as we always do, it will be our year-end special. And I have a bevy of guests lined up for that. So I will keep you in tune for that. It will be the top five artists 
music videos, singles, etc., etc. You name it, as you always do. So I will give you more details as the week as the weeks follow. Um, again. Follow us on social media at Cool Radio CC. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.